For our scripture reading today, we're reading from Luke 19, verses 35 through 44. Please stand in honor of God's word, and we will read this responsively. I'll read verse 35, and you'll respond. We will respond together with verse 36 and on down through uh, this passage that uh, gives us a little snapshot of some of the events that took place on that first Palm Sunday. They brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching, near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we are anticipating you speaking to us through your word, by your spirit to show us Christ, and to change us into your likeness. As we look into the mirror of your word, may we see Jesus, and may we see ourselves, and may we be changed to be less like ourselves and more like him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the great day had arrived. The king was coming to Jerusalem as predicted over 400 years before by the prophet Zechariah. Some people understood. Some people got it. Most of them did not. And it's true today. God is at work in our world. Do you see him at work in our world? I do. I see him at work in the world preparing for his coming kingdom. I see him at work in the world changing people's lives. I see him at work in the world in the spiritual warfare that takes place every day. I see him at work in our world. 
And yet many do not. They see the world as a chaotic place. They see the world as a random place. They see the world as out of control. And nobody's in charge. Jesus said it this way, eyes they have, but they see not. I believe that God wants us to see the spiritual realities behind the current events, not only in the daily news, but in our daily lives. And as I look at this particular text of Scripture, I see four sets of eyes. The first one I see is in verses 35 to 38, the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith. The disciples mostly got it. They mostly understood. And the multitude of the disciples that had come from Galilee and had followed Christ, the disciples who had been with Jesus these three years of his public ministry, They got it. And they showed that they saw what was happening because their actions lived out their faith. They demonstrated their faith by when Jesus said, go get the cult. You know what they did? They got the cult. It was a little shifty uh, because it wasn't their cult, you know. If God said to you, you know, go drive that car, you know, you might have some thoughts about who owned the car and how long, you know, you would be in jail or whatever it was. There are implications to these things. God tells us to do things. He said, go unloose the colt. If anybody says anything to you, just tell them the Lord has need of him and that'll work. And you know what? They went And they did, and they said what Jesus said to say, and they did what Jesus told them to do, and it worked. I am so encouraged by you. Do you know that? You encourage me. Several of you have come to me since last Sunday when we spoke of how the Holy Spirit prompts us to do things. One lady said, you know, I've been burdened for a coworker, and You just kicked me in the seat of the pants to talk to that person about the Lord. Praise the Lord. Another lady said, my ministry is baking cakes, and God has prompted me to bake some cakes for people. Different ones have said, yes, the Lord is prompting me to do things, and I'm just going to do it. And, you know, it's amazing. It's not like you have to, like, go to Africa as a missionary this week. You know what I'm saying? It's not always these huge, big things. Maybe he does. You know, if that's what he says to you, do it. But a lot of times it's just taking the next step to pray for somebody, to call them on the phone, to talk to them, to open our mouth, and he will fill it, you know. Obeying the promptings. How many of you were ever in a play growing up in school? Ever in a play? Okay. How many of you had to memorize lines, like even a short one? Okay. Do you remember that? Okay, folks, this is the script for your play, okay? And isn't it wonderful that we not only have the script, but we have a prompter. 
We have that lady up in the front with the script during the program when your mom's there and everything, you know. And, and, and you forgot your lines, you know. And they, they prompt you. They give you, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's what comes next. This, this is the script of your life. It was the script of Jesus' life. He did everything according to the scriptures. He lived out the word. God has called us to understand, to live out this word. But we also have the Holy Spirit as our prompter who says, yeah, you remember what I told you in the Bible? This is when you do it. This is when you do that. This is when you witness. I want you to witness now. I want you to pray now. I want you to tell the truth now. Hey, how about that? You know, or whatever it is, whatever he says to you, do it. This is the way. Walk in you. You'll hear a voice behind you. And I have yet to hear the audible voice of God. I've talked to people that have heard the audible voice of God, and I don't deny it. Okay? Personally, it's never happened to me. But God has put things into my mind to do, and they were right. They checked out by the word, and I did them, and I saw that was the will of God. Because I've seen the fruit of it. Yes. The eye of faith that simply says, okay, I'll do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. He said, bring the colt. They brought the colt. And then they spread their clothes. They go beyond obedience to submission. You know? How many of you would like to have the outfit you have on today trampled by a donkey? Are you okay with that? You say, well, an honest voice. An honest voice. Yeah. I mean, you know, imagine donkey's hooves tearing that nice outfit that, I mean, it's a brand name thing, and you found it at, at Goodwill, you know, and, and it's nice. And uh, you think, would I put that out there in front of a donkey? That's what these people did. And they didn't all have a closet full of clothes like we do, you know. They didn't have, like, too many clothes. A lot of times they just had the clothes they'd wear on their back, but they took their outer coats out and they put them down and they made a red carpet of clothing for the king. Wow. They showed their submission. They showed their willingness to give. And then they rejoiced. They rejoiced because they were satisfied with Jesus. They were content with him. They were happy with him. They were praising God. And they praised him in particular because of the miracles that he had done. And I think about the miracles that God has done. Miracles he's done in my life and in the life of my wife and the lives of our children and our grandchildren. And I see the miracles that he's done in the lives of people who have heard God's word and been saved and are growing in the Lord and experiencing victory over sin in their lives. And I think about the miracles that God has done and I join in praise. Some people don't get the praise, the singing part, you know. They think that like that part of the worship service is for like natural musicians or something, you know. Uh, and I, I, I had one lawyer friend, he got saved, but he always came just in time for the lecture, he said, you know. 
because he didn't go for that whole musical thing. But I'll tell you what, when you really understand what God has been doing in your life, he puts a song in your heart. Even if you don't have a voice to sing it out, it's in your heart because you're grateful to the Lord for what he has done. You say, well, what did they sing on that day? How did they praise God? Hey, we just happen to know. Turn in the book of Psalms with me. If you go back to Psalm 118, we find that some of the words that they said on that Palm Sunday are contained here in Psalm 118. A psalm for this occasion of what we call Palm Sunday. Psalm 118 and verse 19. Psalm 118 verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. Hey, that was the eastern gate into the temple. It was the gate that is now shut. But it was the gate that was made for the entrance of the Messiah, King Jesus. And he entered through that gate. That gate now shut will someday be entered again by none other than our Jesus. Yes, this is the gate of the Lord. And he's the righteous one, isn't he? I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save. That's Hosanna in Hebrew. We beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and He has given us light. Bind this festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. And before that week was over, the king who had entered that eastern gate into the temple and cleansed that temple was bound to the cords of that festival altar. He became the Passover lamb, bound to the cross, nailed to the cross for your sake and mine, where he, the Lamb of God, took away the sins of the world. What a wonderful Savior we have. And the eyes of faith could see that. Just as the angels at his birth proclaim glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Go with me back to our text in Luke 19, please. And and look at verse 33, just before the passage that we read. There's a little something here that I caught as I was reading through this. And I love it. It, Verse 32. uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. Verse uh, 19.32. Luke 19.32. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them them. I believe that you will understand life, you'll understand your life when you understand this word. And you will find it just as he tells you in his word. 
If you want to know how your life is going to be, what God wants you to do, what your purpose is in life, you will find it in this Word. It will occur just as He tells you. So, the first eyes that we see here are the eyes of faith. And I don't have time in this message to go into it, but I'll tell you what, when you understand the prophetic Word, when you understand what we talked about back in December, the prophetic timeline laid out in the book of Daniel, and you understand the 70 weeks prophecy, and you understand the chronology of the book of Revelation, and you begin to understand the future which is laid out in the Word of God, then when you read the headlines about what is happening, especially in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, and you see all these things happening in regard to Europe and Jerusalem and all these, I'll tell you what, you get excited. Because you have the eyes of faith. And you say, this is happening just as the Bible said it was. The stage is being set for the end time events of the tribulation and of the millennial kingdom. But first of all, the rapture which takes us up. And the more we see these things, the more we say, even so come Lord Jesus. That any moment rapture is the way we respond. We understand that by faith. By faith. Are you seeing your life and the events of this world through the lens of Scripture with the eyes of faith? There was a dynamic minority in Jesus' day who could see it. But the majority, they don't get it. They don't see it. Their eyes are still blinded. The second set of eyes I see are the eyes of Jesus Himself, recorded in verse 41. As He drew near, He saw the city and wept over it. That word wept has the idea of Him crying out loud. Tears running down His face. Why? Because He could see what was going on. I believe that Jesus weeps over cities today. When we think about what is going on in our cities, the violence, the drug and alcohol abuse, the immorality, the divorce, the chaos, the children without parents, we think about all of the chaos going on in our cities in a special sense today. And Jesus is crying when He sees the pain. He sees the confusion. He sees the frustration. He sees the loss and the loneliness of people in our cities today. And what is the answer to the problems of our cities and of cities around the world in great horrible situations? Well, look at another person who cried. Look at Romans chapter 9 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul, he was crying too. He had eyes of love. Starting in verse 1, Romans 9, 1, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. 
For I could wish that I myself were a curse separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who were Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons, the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers and from whom is Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God bless forever. Why was he crying for his brothers and sisters? Because they weren't saved. He was crying for the lost. And people are lost today. They are lost in prosperity and they are lost in poverty. They are lost without Christ. That's what people need. Whether they're in the city or in the country, people need Jesus. And drugs and alcohol and pleasures and prosperity will never meet the deepest needs of the human heart. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And when you have Jesus... You have love and peace and joy no matter whether you are rich or poor, sick or well. The eyes of love. He saw the city and he wept over it because he could see where they were going. And when your eyes are open, you will see your loved ones around you and you will see that the road that they are on is taking them to the wrong place. They don't know it. They don't get it. They don't see it. They're on that broad road that leads to destruction and there are many that are on it, but they don't know that. They think that the majority must be right. But we see with the eyes of love and so we care and we are burdened and we pray and we love people and we care for them and we share the Gospel with them Because that is what they need. The word of the gospel. Jesus said, look on the fields, for they are white unto harvest. We need the eyes of love to see the needs of the world around us. The headlines and the news stories are not just there to get us angry at this party or that party or to join this cause or that cause, but to see that people need the Lord. Do you see the world with the eye of love? Do you see your relatives and neighbors with the eyes of love? Jesus cried because he looked upon the city of Jerusalem and he knew that they were not heading in the right way. It gets worse. Verse 22, we 42 rather, we see the eyes of unbelief. If you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He said, this is your day. This is your day. This is your day. What day was he referring to? He was referring to the day predicted in Daniel chapter 9 in the 70-week prophecy, this day in which the prophetic time clock would lead to the presentation of Israel's King and Messiah. That was the day predicted that you could have calculated from that prophetic word. The things that make for your peace. What makes peace? The Gospel makes peace. The Gospel of peace. That's what the Gospel is. It's the good news that there is a way for people to be at peace with God and to have the peace of God. 
And we live in a world of conflict and turmoil. And people need the shalom, the healthy peace, the prosperous peace that only God can bring. And if they had accepted Jesus as their Messiah, their peace would have come, their kingdom would have come because they would have accepted Jesus as their king. And people today need peace. They are looking for peace in a bottle, peace in a pill, peace in a relationship, peace in an experience, peace in a possession. And it does not come that way. Peace comes to us by that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, whereby we admit that we are guilty sinners and trust in Christ's finished work. But they had the eyes of unbelief. They couldn't see it. He says, now they are hidden from your eyes. That word hidden. Crypto. Hidden. We get our word word, uh, cryptographer or crypt cryptology, encryption, that is the hiding of things. It was hidden in plain view. The prophetic word had been given and Jesus was fulfilling it in their eyes. Look back at Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. This is the prophecy that was being fulfilled. It was all there. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey. Even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. And the bow of war shall be cut off. And he will speak peace to the nations. And his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. If the nation of Israel, through their leaders and the people of Jerusalem, had truly crowned Jesus as their king, the kingdom would have come then. And a kingdom would have been set up in Jerusalem that would have brought peace to the world. But no, it was hidden from their eyes. And they regarded Him as the stone which the builders rejected. They said, It doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit with our preconceived ideas of the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth doesn't fit. So they tossed him on the rubbish heap. What they didn't realize was that he was not the stone of their imagination, of their idealism. He was the true cornerstone. He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. The God-man, the true Messiah that God had sent. And we live in a world today where people are blinded. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3-4 and 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of them who believe not. That's why evangelism is not salesmanship. Evangelism is not selling a product. Evangelism is telling blind people about sunsets. How's that going? Telling them about something that they can't see. Evangelism is speaking of life to dead people. And that's why We share the gospel, but the miracle of salvation is something that God does. And it is not merely a matter of us 
figuring out clever ways to convince people of the gospel, but rather speaking the plain and clear gospel message and then trusting in God to bring about new life, salvation, light to the blind and life to the dead. What is the answer to the eyes of unbelief? Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Here is a prayer that the Apostle Paul was praying for the Ephesian Christians. He said, Pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. We need to pray that people's eyes will be enlightened, that God will grant them sight, that He will grant them life as we share the simple word of the Gospel with lost people. And then finally, we see the eyes of the judge, verses 43-44. to And this is a very sad word because Jesus knew that their rejection of Him as their Messiah King would lead to the judgment of the city of Jerusalem. That within 40 years, the Roman army would gather and encamp and build a wall around the city of Jerusalem and besiege it. Whenever they would capture someone from the city of Jerusalem, they would crucify them in sight of those guarding the walls until eventually the city became starved into submission. As predicted in the Old Testament that if Israel rejected their God, rejected their Messiah, that they would come when it would be so horrible that they would eat their own children. And so the historians tell us happened in the siege of Jerusalem. 134 days, the Romans besieged them. and They ran out of water. They ran out of food. And then the enemy came in and they conquered the city. They killed many of the inhabitants, enslaved the rest. And this prophecy of Jesus regarding the people of Jerusalem was fulfilled. Look with me at Luke 21, verse 20. Luke 21, verse 20. Here's what Jesus said to the people of Jerusalem. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city. Because these are the days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. How sad, how sad that that was fulfilled in 70 A.D. when the Roman armies came 
and besieged Jerusalem and then destroyed Jerusalem. They tore it down so that there was not one stone upon another. They destroyed the temple so that not one stone was upon another in fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus Christ Himself. We live in a world today that is heading for judgment. There are judgments laid out in the book of Revelation that will come upon this earth. There is the great white throne judgment for all unbelievers while well, they will be judged for their sins. But I'll tell you, we are still in the amnesty period. We are still in the day of grace. There still is an opportunity to settle out of court because God has provided a settlement. He has provided a settlement, not merely for a civil case, but a criminal case. Because all of us have broken God's law. We are all sinners, guilty before God, deserving to be sent to hell when we die. Deserving to be part of this earth when it is judged by God in the great tribulation. But you can be spared. You can, when you die, go to heaven. You can, when Jesus comes in the rapture, be taken out. But it is only by believing in Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes as you consider your spiritual condition before God? Judgment is coming. I've been sent to warn you today. God has sent me to warn you today about coming judgment. That judgment is coming upon this earth. And hell is coming upon every soul who has not believed in Jesus. That is what we all deserve because all of us are sinners. But today, you can receive that free offer of amnesty. That free offer of forgiveness. That free offer of salvation. How do you do that? Admit you're a guilty sinner deserving God's judgment. And put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. That He died for you and rose again. If you're not sure that you're saved, if you're not sure you're ready to face death, then would you pray with me right where you are today? Just say, Dear God, I know I'm a guilty sinner. I deserve hell. But Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe you paid for my sins with your blood. I believe that you rose from the dead. Jesus, I receive you into my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank You for the free gift of eternal life. Thank You for saving me. Father, I pray for those who prayed with me today to receive Christ. I thank You that You said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. Thank You, Lord for that salvation from hell and from judgment that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
and that we can know that we have eternal life and that when we, either by death or by rapture, we will go to heaven to be with you because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Help us, Lord, to have our eyes open as we go through this life, to have the eyes of faith and the eyes of love, that we might see what you see, that our hearts would be broken with the things that break the heart of God, that we would see what's really going on spiritually in this world so that we might respond in a way that glorifies you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bow and pray. Father, we have gathered here today to worship an almighty God, the one true God, maker of heaven and earth. We have praised you, we have thanked you, and we've asked for your intervention into our lives. I pray, Lord, that all we have done here has been pleasing to you and has honored you. I pray that as we go about our daily lives, we will continue to seek to please you by following the Holy Spirit's leading and by acting out our faith, especially before others who do not know you. Lord, let us be an example in a way that may help draw them to you. May we help them see by sharing the gospel that Jesus alone saves. Lord, I ask your blessing on our mission of the week, Friends of Israel, and pray that we can support them in their efforts to communicate biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah. And finally, Lord, I ask that you bless and keep each person here and those that are joining us by other means in the coming week until we meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.